You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What up, gentlemen? Hola. Well, happy December 1st. I'm the man in black today. Yeah. Well, you Johnny. Skinny for some reason. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> I think Nick's in black too, but he's got a little blur in his, his background there. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll uh, balance you guys out with a little gray and blue. There you go. You're in the middle. That's my, I, I laugh because my closet, I don't know. You guys, am I the only weirdo here that color coordinates his shirts? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I, so I run all the way from my, my reds to my oranges to yellows to, like, the greens to blues, right? And I looked at – and I had them all laid out this morning. They're in my closet. And my blues, I have, like, a billion blue shirts. I don't know why I like blue. Your eyes. You look, you look good in blue. Thanks. <laughs> hey, Andy, here, stay here. here's the other – here's the bigger question. Yeah. How many of those shirts do you actually wear? All – uh, well, at one time, uh, probably three or four, just in case it's hot and sweaty. But um, no, I, I I rotate my shirts pretty good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, uh, I, I do. Well, that's why I like my them. closet. I don't. I've never. I've never worn them ever. Yeah, it's really kind of sad. And not that I care, but you know, I we just actually we just were doing a tribute to my uncle um, on uh, Facebook about a week ago. He passed away about twelve years ago, and uh, he was one of those guys who would wear. Like sweatpants, flip flops, and a and a like a, the whiskey junction shirt from a softball tournament that had holes in it, and he'd show up and he was like Unc- Uncle Tony, right? You you could you could buy the uh, the uh, lookalike polo shirts out of his trunk, and anyway, so Tony would come to these family things, and my mom would dress us in the remember the Gur animals? Oh yeah, yeah. So you'd wear two giraffes, which mean they matched. Um, so we were all always color coordinated. And so we'd show up at these like Easter, Thanksgiving, whatever, and he'd go, Good God, those kids all match. They look like they're right out of a catalog, color coordinated. It, it scarred me for life. Now I'm color coordinated my whole life. Yeah. That I remember those gray animals. It was like we could pick out our own clothes because you just had to find, you know, the alligator that matched or whatever. Yeah. 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 The yeah. alligator with the alligator. Those were the days. You, you don't, uh, is that not how you shop, uh, Nick? All my stuff fits in one suitcase. Yeah. So you're the smart one. He's not kidding. Like yeah. I think it's cool, man. <laughs> but I got I, some I, great... I could fit in. I think all my things could fit in one suitcase. I got some great news for you guys, though. All right, let's like do the it. market is back in, in black. The stock market even, too, but we got new home sales jumping. Really? Here you go. Let's, uh, let's, uh, what, what is this, a national thing? Yeah. I mean, regardless, you know, it's, it's a good, that's a good thing to hear. I'm, sales rise. It's, it's a supply and demand game right now. And there's just not enough supply for the demand. It doesn't mean people are paying crazy prices, but I'll tell you one thing right now. You know, I was watching interest rates again. If interest rates go back down anywhere in the fives, I think we're going to go right back to the market we just came out of, where it's multiple offers over asking because there's nothing for sale. 
And also now those builders overpriced models, you think are overpriced. Now you're fighting over them again. So I think, I still think it's a great time to buy right now. And even if you have a higher rate, you can always refinance in six months or a year or whatever. I think they will. I really do. But. This is also a market that a lot of people will take their house off the market, yep. you know, for the holidays and then come back on next year. So inventory might even get reduced uh, actually probably quite a bit. I know it's still under two Just months, inventory, but I think, yeah, I think it's going to go lower. I mean, I, a majority of my listings are opting to kind of let's just wait till next year kind of thing. So I got, I've got a couple, I've got one coming on this week, surprisingly. And it, uh, it, you know, they found that they finally found the house that they wanted. And I told them, I says, Hey, you know, December historically has been a fantastic month for me. It disrupts the whole holiday regiment, but I go, if you're willing to sell, there's not a lot of stuff out there. So if you want to be the only house for sale in your whole neighborhood, the buyers that are out there will buy your property. They'll come and they'll look. And it's, I don't think it's a bad time. Now, statistically, there's less people, but the buyers that are out there are closers. They they want to buy and close, you know? You bet. So, we just had, I always said the fall is a great time for the lake, you know? And everyone's like, what? No, it's not. Well, we just sold two, two and a half million dollar ones on, on the lake, both out of town buyers, um, part-time homes, which is crazy, but. Wow. It's uh yeah, market is is very interesting. Like you just but then again, you don't make lakes. You know, they don't have a lot even though the lake is down quite a bit as well. You know, I remember uh back in back in the even in before the big builder crunch, we one of my builders was out there and he said he goes, "You know, I'm selling everything I have except for exceptional dirt. When when something's exceptional, it always has a demand for it. It always will sell first. Yeah. And there's always buyers that once they hit that I want to achieve something, a level of success, and they want something nice. And, and I'm telling you, so if you have exceptional properties, that's what you should be buying. If you buy a, a overpay for a piece of garbage on a busy road with power lines over it, and I mean, God bless you, but I, you're asking for trouble. In a hot market, if you pay a little bit more for a hot property that you know is going to be in demand in the future. Totally true. No you know, we have the ability to be able to see like where showings are happening in the marketplace with our it's through our showing time and it's, yeah. it's very, it's very interesting. I think that's one thing. If you're, if you're thinking about selling, you should stay in contact with your agent and um, there there's opportunities sometimes that all of a sudden a market gets hot and also there's a bunch of showings and things maybe aren't moving. That might be a time to be able to jump in and uh, get it regardless of whether there's green grass and a blue sky or, you know, yeah. uh, leaves on the trees. Hundred percent agree. More importantly, Chris, did you notice my new prop behind me? Just in case you forget who I am. Oh, AP. <laughs> What's in the middle? Uh, some kind of a plant and a microphone that I won for being the guy that carried the real estate radio hour for eleven years. They gave me a trophy when I left. <laughs> it was it was super unexpected. I, I thought that was super neat of Lisa to buy that and give you that award. <laughs> I bought it myself, had it engraved. <laughs> Andy, you should get uh, an AP watch. Hey, I'm in. It's like no, you know, you know how I, I don't know what AP. What is AP? Audemars Paget. It's a, it's oh, a famous geez. Swiss brand. Yeah. Uh, how much is it? I think like a hundred grand. Well, yeah, no yeah, big deal. Yeah, you're talking to the wrong guy. I can't even buy a hundred thousand dollar car, let alone a hundred thousand dollar. But no, these were uh, the old Hobby Lobby. My daughter, she so my daughter does photography. For those of you that don't know Hannah, 
and she does like photo sessions for Christmas cards and graduations and what she's done a couple of weddings now too. And uh, so she says, dad, we need to stop on the way home from buying the Christmas tree to buy some props for our photo session. And she goes, dad, look what I found. So it was an A and a P and they were uh, 60% off. Nice. I just don't know what to do with them now. Now I've got them and I'm like, what do you do with them? Nice. I'll show you. I'll show you my letters. Hold on. Do you see them up top there on the? Oh yeah, the old Remax. You see it up there? No. Yes. That's nice. Hey, but speaking about yeah. hot markets, though. Um, yeah. Coming back here, all my friends they don't really go downtown or those places anymore, but they go to like that uh, St. Louis Park. Is it the Loop or West End? West, West End. End. Yeah. Yeah, and then I saw um, some more investments going on over here. Check this out. Okay. So going back to the hot market, I mean, this company is plans another West End office tower. I mean, this area is just shooting up, isn't it? It's crazy over there. Yeah. It's, well, it's, all Chris, what did you and I say a year and a half ago? Everybody says, oh, I'm going to work from home forever. My company doesn't want me to be back in the office. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, keep living that. Yeah. Pass it over. Here we go. <laughs> big, big Elon is starting that. Firing. Most of them, 75% of them, and saying you're in the office now. <laughs> God, I love it. <laughs> Sorry. You know what, though? It, the thing is, is this, is that it is hard to create a culture at a company when you're all remote. It really is. Yeah. And so if you all subscribe to what you all say you subscribe to, I want a company with a culture, with a belief series, you know, that has a, you need to get together. And and I don't get me wrong. I get it. You get up in the morning, you got kids to take care of, get them on the bus, get dressed for work, all that crap that goes with having a job that you have to actually show up for, it, it gets, it, it's a lot extra. The problem is, is everybody got spoiled, you know, during the pandemic. And then they started justifying in their heads why they never have to go back. And right. I don't know if they quite heard those words from their employers, but they they think that that's what their employers think because they're still letting them do that. And in actuality, behind the scenes, they're consulting their legal team to say, hey, can we do what Elon just did? Or can we, you know, what, what are the ramifications of making people come back? Because some in some jobs production's up, but most jobs production's down, or it's very unprofessional. You know, in in some circumstances, some it does work for some. Don't get me wrong. I don't I don't need the hate mails, but I think it was Nick that brought that up. That I mean, people were double dipping, yeah, and getting other jobs. You know, and uh, being able to do two of them at the same time, and you know, even though okay, yeah, I can do those two jobs, but I mean, if you were on their time, you know, doing their one job, you could better be more productive and uh not like on the side you know doing uh, virtual assistant work for someone else well it was called overemployed it was a huge subreddit and a bunch of people were getting you know, three to four jobs because their jobs they were doing you know and it was happening before the the pandemic they're working they can get their eight hour job done in two hours you know what yeah. i mean they're not doing they're just sitting on their computer on reddit and, and not doing much yeah. they're like why not i just double dip and over the old keyboard that was i how many of those videos did we show where the the fan would go around and it would like move the mouse yeah it shows you're working yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, how, many, how many laptops could you have hooked up like that and you could be probably i mean you know then there's that whole having a conscience you know and saying oh i'm stealing um you know that's one thing in the real estate industry that I thought might hang on a little and start doing more Zoom meetings. There's some, I think, with vendor type stuff, but with clients, it's not as much. I mean, there is some virtual showings, but whereas before we would do market analysis online, 
do a lot of different things. Um, I actually did one not too long ago, which, but it's far and few between. They usually not, not out there. I, I do probably three, four a week. What? Zoom. With who? All my new construction buyers. Really? They, they don't, they've got kids, they're running around, they're coming home from work. They don't want to run out to a model home. And so a lot of times what we do is we, I mean, with a series of photos of the model that they'd like, um, I can have the photos there. I have the floor print there. I can actually do a proposal online in front of them and can be very effective, very fast. So do you use it kind of as updates and stuff? Like Not as much as it does as proposals. I mean, okay. like we go over blueprints together. We go over, you know, specs together. We go over, um, you, like I said, the, the, what we call an option pricing sheet, which is putting together all the options they want to have on a new build. Yeah. And it just, it's so much, e I don't even say the word easier. It's, it just more productive. I, I can take a three hour meeting down to an hour and, and not put any miles on my truck. Good you know? idea. Yeah, that's but smart. Some some people do want to be hands on, especially if they're challenged with English as their language and they want to like go. And I have no problem with that either. We'll go to the model, I'll point to the trim and say, This is the exact trim you're getting. This is the exact cabinet you're gonna get, you know, or whatever it is. So yeah. um interesting. Hey, what do you guys think about this, though? It's quite interesting. It's a Utah-based group, and they're putting a lot of money to this, this West End area in the St. Louis Park. I mean, it's it's good sign for, for Minnesota real estate, no? Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, that, that area, um, if you haven't been there, and obviously, Nick, you've been out of the country for a while, but, I mean, West End is, is littered with high-end apartments. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's where the lifetime is, where they have uh, – office you get offices in lifetime and there's uh i think there's living arrangements above it as well but uh yeah that whole west end area i mean obviously covid hit it hard but it's it's coming back i mean that it's a it's a good little spot uh again great great and, location you know, yeah with what the city is doing you know people are just reluctant to go back in there but that what they will they'll be back well, think, think about you and i chris when we used to get together we both liked west end because we could, it's, you know, you head a little north, I head a little south. Awesome, we're right there. We can park underneath. We take an elevator up to the restaurant we want to meet at. Yep. It's easy. I mean, it's it's not inconvenient at all. So We got to start doing that again. Yeah. We never get to see each other. I know. In person. No. All this, uh, you know, yep. online crap that you say. Yep, exactly. I beautiful. Okay. Let's go into some unusual, five unusual Midwestern uh, accommodations. So talking about the Airbnb, those funky homes, um, maybe some investment opportunities. But it's going to be brought to you by Mr. Andy Prasky, preferred home team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales, I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show. Nice. What does that say? That's not in Lutzen? If that served chicken wings, that might be your new home, Chris. <laughs> hey, maybe they have a chicken, a, like a chicken. Uh, Something? Coop. Chicken coop. That's it. 
It takes me a while nowadays, but yeah, it'll bring the wolves in, but that's okay. <laughs> Other than that, it's a pretty cool spot. No, they're very nice. Oh, didn't I see? I thought I saw something on uh, Noelle's line about that, that she rented one of those one night and stayed in there. Oh, looked, I, didn't, I didn't see that. No, yeah, it looked kind of cool. It looked kind of cool, but yeah. all right, what's this one? Uh, uh, look, that's a nice that house. Tree fort looks like a little tree fort. Yeah. Gosh, I guess what do you, you can think about that, Andy? I mean, I, this proves, Chris, you can rent anything. I know. Anything. I'll tell you what's. I'll tell you what Airbnb and all of those places have done is they've taken the weirdest things and made them like yeah. hot commodities. Because if you're getting, you know, two fifty to five hundred, that's what people look at. Hey, it's a weekend to do something. Let's just waste a thousand. We'll stay in an igloo in the middle of the freaking woods and have nothing. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I well, even like looking at that igloo thing that you just showed us. That I mean, a geo gnome or whatever they call that, and it doesn't have a window in it, and you're in a tent outside in the woods, and oh my god, no. Yeah, my cousin has a bunch of stuff on. I think it's Grand Marais, and he's got some super, I mean, super cool like contemporary type things, and yeah. like one unit you can have like three different rentals out of it. So you can rent the whole thing, or you can do individuals. And uh, I mean, that's how he makes his living. See, that'd be more interesting to me. You know, something you know like this. We you actually have a roof in a. Yeah. This is hotel place right on the water in uh, Michigan. Okay, yeah, that looks pretty cool, though. I mean, all on the sand and stuff. It's like duplexes, little A-frame duplexes. Resort yeah. hotel. Are nice. those? Does it say a price on those, Nick? Yeah, two hundred thirty-three point nine. Okay, that's not too bad. I've paid that in Sioux Falls and stayed at a hotel. <laughs> oh, Luxor, this is the owner of the Luxor. Um, yeah. <laughs> Clear Lake, Iowa. That's where Buddy Holly went down. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. 404 bucks a night for that place. Buddy Sir? Holly. Yep. Buddy Holly. Oh, yeah. yeah. He went down real close to that. Yeah. That's where his yeah, last concert was. My dad was into Buddy Holly. He knew everything about that thing. Whoa. Look at this place. Only 100 a night. So it's in Missouri. I wonder where Galena, Missouri is. What is what's it say about that one? That this one, is for somebody that wants heart. to have aliens take them. Right? What's Mongo that? Mongolian you want to get abducted by you want to get abducted by aliens, not Mongolian, aliens. <laughs> you get into this building and aliens will for sure come take you. Yeah. See it around There's the top those lights things. up at night, those little round lights up there. They all light up and it attracts the aliens. See, Chris. Nice. Yeah. Look at that, yeah. You're totally right, Andy. <laughs> oh, my oh, no. goodness. I don't know. Did we do very good on that that uh, little session there? Um, I don't know if we nope. gave much insight. But I, I do I do really yeah. think that there's opportunities out there that you never thought existed before and that, you know, it might be even a way in which to, um, you know, say it's a property that you can't really get rid of, turned into something a little more, unique and all of a sudden bang you've you've got a winner so maybe you have a, a cabin in the woods and you go build three tree fort type places you know and you could have like family reunions there people can sleep in the individual tree houses and you got the main cabin to kind of hang out and do your thing well you know and i think that the you know the um on the lake like rentals right so a little bit different here you're renting little properties Little properties mean smaller groups, which means less chaos usually. Usually, um, 
And, you know, when you have the big 5,000 square foot place on Gull Lake for lease, what happens is, guess what? They fill all the bedrooms. So now you got a 10 bedroom house full of, you know, 40 people and 40 people are having fun late. 40 people make a lot of noise. 40 people have lots of cars to park. And so, you know, you got to be a little careful. I think that if there was something to be learned or observed from the success or the failures of previous uh, Airbnb and, and uh, whatever vacation rental um, places is to have smaller places that don't cause a lot of r- ripples in the lake because then nobody complains. Yeah. It's when people, other your neighbors complain, they turn you into the county, the county enforces the county laws and say, hey, you can't have a business here or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you, you get shut down. I'll tell you, the other thing is, too, I mean, for people that are, are looking into stuff like this, technology is everything. you got to get that out to the most amount of people and how you do that. Um, that's how you're going to get the most money because you're going to collect people from everywhere. Yeah. Whereas before, you might have got, you know, in town and someone told a friend who told a friend. You just, you can't, you can't get it out to enough people. But now with social media and everything else that you can do, my gosh, you can really turn those into uh, a great thing. I think we should do that, Andy. We should, let's go buy something, figure one out. Maybe I'm in. I, I, I'd love doing something. I know. I think that'd be kind of cool to have. Then you could almost have like uh, family get togethers and, but you, well, you, you know, guys have we, a cabin like that. Yeah. Well, you know, like fractional ownership deals are kind of popular too, where, you know, that's something that we don't do a lot of in Minnesota, but it's, it, uh, trust me, it's coming. It's like the uh, you're a quarter owner of this, you know, beautiful two million dollar lake home. And so you've got your 500 into it. Three other families have 500 into it. But now when you go up there, the few times you go up there, you're in a two million dollar cabin on the lake. So it's like, man, I'm so excited to go. It it actually exceeds your expectation versus barely meets them. And and then you have other people to help with expenses. So, you know, you have to recite it and it's 50,000 or whatever. Well, it's, you know, a lot easier to. I'll well, that's, that's a way to get around some of these requirements now. So a lot of cities have requirements on the length of how long you can um, rent something out, you know, where they going against Airbnbs. They say, OK, well, you have to have at least 30 or 60 days that you have to rent it for or else you can't do it. Well, that throws out a lot of people. But creating a fractional ownership and just staying there is is a big difference. So maybe it's 10 people. They do that on Big Island in Minnetonka. A lot of those houses have that. I was in one. Some guy had to give me some collateral um, for something, and he gave me his deed for that fractional ownership on Big Island, which was, I think there was 23 people that were involved with it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, Chris, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Now there's legalities to it. You know, an attorney would probably, you know, go crazy over the the risk factor of having you know, four individual owners on a property from the, oh, so-and-so just got in an accident and got sued for $7 million and they lean the cabin now and, and there's limitations and they're going to force the sale and it's going to be auctioned. So they get the, you know, now you don't know who your fourth owner is or whatever. But on the other hand, if you structured it properly within like trusts or within, you know, protected asset categories where we could have, or we stack it where it's has to be an LLC, has to be this, you know, or whatever, and then you could you could basically protect everybody involved, right? Boy, Mr. Attorney, I like it. Well, no, but I overthink things because you know when when we do sell properties, it's amazing to me how how many you know uh, groups of people where we've sold mom's house or dad's house, and there's three siblings or ten or twelve siblings like I had up in Big Lake, and 
uh, all those people have credit scores and liabilities and assets. And so also you put them all into one big pot. It's a very interesting group of people, but like, like they said, they go, there's just no way we're going to be able to do this, you know, successfully. So then they said, Hey, let's sell this to six people and then we'll each get two months and it'll be easy. Nope. And, and that didn't work either because the ones that wanted it couldn't come up with the money. So then it's like, and then they're worried about, well, that guy's going to get sued. He's in a, he's in a very risky business or she's in a very, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like interesting how they could not put it together. So they, they just auctioned it off and sold it, you know? Right. Exactly. So a super cool thing I've seen is like some of these digital nomads, like a group of five will buy three homes uh, across uh, the world and then they'll stay in different ones. And then when one is traveling, they'll maybe airbnb out where they're at and uh they've all been split in so they have houses around the world it's kind of cool very cool makes sense it really does if, if you don't mind living out of a suitcase it's great but then you, you each have like a little storage in the house so you can keep your summer clothes in this area yeah. and that is cool now yeah i got uh, some special social media reacts content today it's going to be brought to you by Chris Rooney, Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I found- I dressed up much nicer there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you throw a sport coat on, you got that Miami Vice look going today. You know, that could be cool. <laughs> That's true. You like a pink sport coat or something? Nice. Yeah. Hey, guys, Andy Prasky. One of the top questions I'm getting right now is, should I buy a home with today's higher mortgage rates? While each person's finances and budget are going to be different, you can do something to plan ahead, and that's getting an approval for a mortgage. Here's a look at a few of the benefits of a pre-approval. For starters, pre-approval from a loan officer helps you understand how much you can borrow for your home loan. Knowing this makes it easier to determine your target budget and price point. Not to mention when you put an offer in on a house, a pre-approval letter tells the sellers how serious you are, how qualified you are, and how ready you are to make a move. If you have any questions about buying a home in today's market or the home buying process in general, I can help. I'm Andy Prask with Remax Advantage Plus. Follow me on all social media. I'd love to help you. Have a great day. Whoa. That I I wore a different shirt. That was amazing, that one. Holy moly. I mean, the professionalism and little pop-ups and everything. But you've been, you started doing a lot of that. I've been seeing those pop up everywhere. Reels? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that, that was that a reel? <laughs> yeah. On Instagram. And it rolls, I think it rolls over too. I can, I you can also throw those on like um, the, the shorts or whatever they call them on uh, like uh, on Facebook, YouTube or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I'm just trying to get some information out there, you know, and it's like, you want to be educational, but if you're too educational, nobody watches it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm trying to, I don't know. Who knows? Yes. Thank you for those that like it. I appreciate you. Little good tidbits. Thank you. I saw you taking notes Christmas. too, which was good. <laughs> Let's run. Uh, cue up Chris's ones. No. Yeah, right. Chris don't have one. 
I know. Oh, fire, bruh. Jason, is this Jeez, a cop? That is such a cop, bruh. Oh my god, Jason, that is the low-key drip. You have to cop that. Bruh, you already know I'm fin- Whoa. Who's Gen Z again? The youngins. Is that next? My, well, I'm like the cutoff. So my age and below. 27 and below. Okay, yeah. so that might- All my I, kids. I, yeah, I hang- Nick and Morgan are probably at the each end of those spectrums. And I don't ever see that. I mean, at least maybe who what they hang out with, but I've had the the clients are I'm very been very impressed with them. You hang around the base all night. You don't hear people saying, "Oh, come on, bro." I hear it all oh, the time. Morgan calls me bro all the time, but yeah, what's up, bro? Yeah, or I get from my little nephews to go chill, bro, chill. Yeah, but it's B R U H. It's not. It's not bro. Yeah. It's bro. Bro. Yeah, yeah. It is pretty. Well, it is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that, that right there is going with the memes about how Generation Z speaks. But, uh, I mean, this guy just takes that little thing. It takes, like, five seconds. He just looks at the camera, and boom, he's got, you know, a million views on it. And people go with the meme because that's kind of, like, how people think we speak. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, it is one of those things that it's just where does that lead you to? <laughs> you know, does it lead people to? Um, obviously maybe follow you or look at your other stuff and then you give them like the Andy information, you know? So it's kind of a, a play each way of which to do it. The one thing I didn't see on Andy's video was his flip-flops though. I think everything he sh does should be have flip-flops on. It's a lifestyle, Chris. I know. I think, it, I think, but it's unique and it's real. And so when people would see you, it's always real. That's, it is what it is. I mean, now that snow's here, you probably don't do it, but pretty much all the other time you do. No, you know, you'll still catch me shoveling my driveway in flip-flops, or <laughs> I have these really cool, like, uh, Crocs that oh, yeah. I think provide more toe protection mm. when I'm shoveling, and so they cover the toes, which is safety oh, first, Chris. Good, 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 good. I just, I just don't care. I, I'll yeah. go out there with a jacket on and a hat and gloves, but I'll be wearing shorts, my neighbors all think I'm – so the, the last neighbor to live next door, which I scared away, obviously, mm -hmm. he, he put a post on Facebook from all of his buddies, and they were, they were from, uh, from uh, Reno, Nevada. And he says, look at my neighbor. And I'm outside shoveling in flip-flops and shorts with a jacket and a hat on. And he goes, this guy goes to get the paper every morning in shorts and a T-shirt and flip-flops in the snow – and I saw it, of course, and I'm like, I didn't even want to say anything on it. But all of his buddies in Reno were like, oh, my God, that guy's crazy. Well, like, I just, I'm just in a hurry. I don't have time to put on pants. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. One, two. That's it. That's it. Move. That's move your hip. Come on. <laughs> what the hell? I don't even know where you find this. How many, how many looks does that one get? Millions. I hope not. Oh, what? How many views? Yeah. Millions. Millions. That's what's wrong with America today. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh I guess we're just old, Andy. Never well, thought it would come to this, that we turned into this, you know, like your dad, you like your dad or your grandpa. I mean, it's it's happening. I'm okay with that. They were pretty cool. Uh, uh, good point.
Speaking of that, at least you guys aren't doing this yet. Oh, gosh. Well, the real estate agent who's been selling houses since Reagan uh, was in office, finds out you can get a free business on social media. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. That was interesting. I, it does kind of remind me of when I first got into real estate and when they flipped over to the computers. I mean, yeah. it was like, oh, my God, what do we do? They yeah. were so... My dad being one of them, they were so like, oh, I, we don't even know what to do. So they all started hiring someone that knew what the heck they were doing. Yeah. It's funny that we still call them computers. Gosh, do you remember that, Andy? Were you in the business before? Yeah, you were, um, obviously. Yeah. But when um, they flipped over to sharing all our listings online, mm-hmm. I mean, the... That was, you know, almost, Chris, it was almost right when I started in 2000, it was... They were going from the books to the DOS-based. Uh, remember those screens that were black screens with green letters on them or whatever? Oh, yeah. And then we'd print everything out. It was weird. Um, that That's how I started was with that DOS-based system. Yeah, yeah. It, um, <clears throat> I think what, to me, what was interesting is that it, the, the fight that that was. I mean, the people were totally against that because that was the big thing that realtors thought they had. They thought they had this information no one else had, and you had to come to them to get it. Well, they did. Right. I they know. did. And, and that, the, that was the problem is they, they could lock the information up. Yeah. But, I mean, in reality, I think it's really helped the realtors because everyone's getting this information and doing all their background before they even go out and look. And so it's like our right. showings, I mean – I used to go out at least three to five times with a buyer and we'd always do seven to 10 showings each time. You know, now I might show up 10 houses changing, at the most. Right? The, the dynamics of real estate have changed significantly. Back in the day, like commercial real estate is today, um, a lot of people would take, you know, let's say they, they pay a, a 7% commission or a 6%, whatever it was, 8%, whatever it was at the time. Because some of those were higher back in the day. Yeah. And their goal was to keep the whole commission, Right. They, they didn't want everybody else to know about it. They wanted to sell that apartment or sell that commercial building or sell that house and keep the whole commission that was being paid to them. They didn't want to pay out any of it. And then it got to the point of where we started saying, well, you know, maybe I'll offer out a little cooperative commission to, to have somebody bring me a buyer that's not my buyer that I don't represent. And it started, the dynamics changed. Nowadays, you think about the way we list houses, Chris, now, I look at it and tell people, this is what I charge on my side. How much worm do you want to put on the hook to bring another buyer in on the other side? And so I don't even look, I've never even, I don't even contemplate, you know, trying to keep the whole thing. I always look at it as I, I almost effectively have a, I don't know, got a 90 some percent now change. It used to be 70% when I first started of where I whole hog it. And nowadays it almost doesn't happen. Yeah. It's rare. It's rare. for everyone. I think industry standards like 5% maybe. Well, people wised up. They realize like, Hey, why would I go into a transaction with an experienced real estate agent that can convince me to do things I probably normally wouldn't do without without having somebody say, hey, wait a minute, before you sign that, let's review this. Or let's you know make sure cautiously that you get the inspections done and the contingencies removed that you may have in that you know uh, arena of, of being cautious. And so a lot of people don't think that way. So they, they dive in and they think, oh, I'm getting a better deal because I'm buying direct. Or, right. or, yeah. or. Or the alternative, you don't. You're you're, you're not right. getting it. You're you're going in there blind, and you're kind of. I don't. I don't even say the word misled. It just as much as you're being comforted into making decisions without 
thinking about the repercussions of those decisions. Yeah. You're just going into it saying, you know, hey, they oh, they had a, a home inspector out before. They had a whatever. They did a radon test when they bought it five years ago. I don't need to redo a radon test. So all of a sudden you're like this buddy-buddy mode where you don't want to insult them. But yeah. in reality, as I'm an agent behind the scenes going, I need, it, I need you to get that done. I, yeah, just I, think, I think the other thing is with dual agency that people don't realize it's way harder. It's way harder for oh, an agent yeah. which to do it. People like to come and say, hey, I'll buy this and we'll take the commission away. And I said, well, I, then I don't represent you at all because right. I'm not, it's, it's way more work. I mean, and I tell sellers that too. They said, well, maybe hey, if you sell it yourself, you'll do it for less. And I said, no, I, I actually should charge more because it's way harder in which to be able to do it. So Correct. Well, to, to, to do it correctly, right? I mean, I think we could all do uh, dual agency. It'd be, it, it's easy to do, but to do it correctly is, is an art. And, and there's, I mean, it, it requires a ton of professionalism. Yeah. And then like, it's like, right. It's like, right. Like, you know, but like, but at the same time, I don't know, because then sometimes it's like, like, I, I like, you know, like you go. Man. <laughs> That's always a, a thing. And I don't know if many people know, but I think when the market gets hot, builders start figuring out ways in which to be able to be more competitive. And that usually means they start uh, paying other realtors, cooperative agents, less money. And then when the market shifts, they're all like the greatest things in the world and they want to really pay you off. So oh, um, it, it so upsets me. I watched Lennar do that this year. Pulte did it this year. All of them, they went right down the list and they dropped their commissions down to 2%. Well, here's the deal, guys. Most real estate agents only do half a dozen transactions a year statistically. And they need that for all the other times that they're not getting paid to make it. And you say, oh, I'm not going to pay you for what you don't do. I'm not saying that. It's part of the equation. It's like like, like kind of on Christmas vacation I just watched. If you're not going to offer Christmas bonuses, then tell us that up front. Well, real estate agents make decisions based on having a lot of downtime and what they call research and development time that they apply to the transaction. You call that experience. We call that windshield time, just doing research, doing whatever. So when they're getting paid, there might be 40 hours behind the scenes that you don't even see that they're applying to you to help you make a transaction happen. And, and so when they cut a commission like that, the reason why the builders do that is because they say, well, we're not going to modify anything anyway. We're not going to let you change anything. So it's for sale. If you want to bring in a buyer, good for you. If you don't, we don't really care. Mm -hmm. And then that'll change. Like right now, they're offering out four and a half percent. Some of these builders, again, they're offering out two. Yeah. Boy, weird. Bring your buyer to us. We'll pay you more. Talk about a talk about a line of crap and trying to mislead the consumer. <laughs> I mean, Why, how, is that, how is that even legal? I mean, of all the things that they complain about in the world, how is it even legal for you to, to sway your commissions that much? And offer more so that you, as a starving agent, want to bring. I mean, think about this. So the the you assume everybody has ethics. I don't think that's the case in, in every situation. And they're starving. And all of a sudden, you have an agent that hasn't sold something in three months, and you start offering a four and a half percent commission. That that agent's probably going to say, "Boy, this would be a really good deal for you guys." Now you're steering a customer into a deal that may not be a good. I don't know. Uh, Nick, this is not a good time to bring up a guaranteed cash offer right now. It's this uh, this whole Just podcast volcano's turn. bubbling, baby. <laughs> Boom! He's ready. If you want to put him over the top, here you go. <laughs> hey, this last one, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on man caves. If they're easier to sell, or if they're coming back, are they getting more popular because of you know the last couple of years sitting in the house? So.
would use the word family cave. Holy cow, that's huge. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. The house that I'm uh, doing right now, I have a area where I've got it huge. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's 24 by almost 40 feet mm -hmm. that is set up for a man cave, but I'm almost like, I mean, you don't, you don't be in my houses, Andy, they're always for sale. And I'm almost like afraid to finish it because someone else will want to do something, you know, what, what they want to do with it, but it has that ability. So like a, a man cave like that, I mean, obviously this is a whole different price range. And I think to answer your question, yeah. Nick, on, you know, a, a luxury type thing. Yeah. Man caves are great because they can afford whatever they want to afford. Maybe lower, level homes is, is not as much because they'll probably want the kitchen to be nicer or have more cabinets or have a bigger right. center island or put in, you know, granite tops versus Formica. So well, and, and, and that room that they just showed there, that that's attractive to everybody, men, yeah. women, children, old, young. I mean, that was an entertainment complex. Yeah. And, you know, when, when I think of like the old phrase man cave, thinking of things that guys generally like to do, tinker with cars or four wheelers or their tractors or whatever means outside, like in a garage, greasy, you know, drink the, spill the beer on the floor, have a beer fridge. But now I've got a lot of female clients too, that are like, Hey, we like the tinker. We like to mess with motors. We like snowmobiles. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's more of a, a entertainment complex, you know, if you think about it and, and swing into the hobby. So if the hobby is crafts that need to be clean and neat and inside the house, that's different than crafts or hobbies that have grease and, and motors running and need ventilation, you know? I think a lot of the homes that you've been selling, new construction homes, Andy, are going to have future man caves. Oh, Once okay. you kind of get over these, you know, indoor sport court type things and, and want to utilize it for yourself, two of them. I, I have, have right now, I have one, I'll just tell you right now, I have one that's a beautiful build and uh, it, the, the entire, what we used to call a sport court, 18 foot ceiling, you know, 32 foot by 24 foot room, right? And 18 foot ceilings with windows on the top. I have a guy that is, has uh, traveled the world and, and has uh, worked on all different kinds of safari hunts and everything else um, and done them properly, of course. And, uh, you know, uh, works for a large local manufacturer that is in that industry. So they bring lots of people into town to entertain. And at his level of career, he actually needed a trophy room. And so this room is 100% going to look like a Cabela's with they want to do a stone waterfall up the one side. They want to have, you know, the different um, regions of the world that are represented by different, you know, the rams from the mountains are over here and the whatever. And they want to do murals and lights. And I mean, this thing, well, we're putting in a wet bar in there and they're putting in a big uh, uh, vent for cigars. Um, so it, it's going to be quite a cool room. Um, Super cool. Yeah. Even and then I also have a back cut in for a future garage door. So if you wanted to make it a garage or revert it back to a sport court, you sure could. Even though every listing I go into, I always try to get any heads or skins out. Just because oh, yeah. it just, I mean, in both ways, some people just, uh, and then others will like just concentrate on those instead of the house. So uh, either way, it's, it's hey, kind of a detriment. You're looking at a guy here that just, I had, it was, uh, got 10 years ago, we were helping a good friend of mine who's works at that same company, does a lot of the big hunts. I had a moose head in my basement, a gigantic, I mean, I'm talking a six foot span on the horns, unbelievable in my basement. I had zebra hides. I had, I mean, I'm not, this guy had everything, you know, the big, two, the horns that roll up and cool stuff. They're like five foot. 
I had to put him in my basement because we lived at his house and people came in and were freaking out. They're like, why would you send us into this death trap? This house just has superstitious, you know, feelings and, and they're just, it, it, it has a death aura to the home. And I'm like going, it's the coolest guy's house I've ever seen or Hunter's house. Right. And I go, it was the coolest thing I've ever, well, I was wrong. So we ended up spending the time to pull it off the market. We removed everything, put it into Andy's basement (laughs) and sold. It sold in two seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned that lesson probably about 1994 with a guy. I just said, we have to take these down. He didn't want to listen and we didn't get one showing. And then we finally got them down and all of a sudden it sold right away. It's crazy. Because I mean, people are making their first impression online. And that, I mean, it was the great room. I mean, this was the biggest part of the house. I mean, you had to take a picture of it. Well, so, so what's interesting to me is like when you have a client like that, where they're, they have something that's that amazing to them. and, And we look at it as being an egotistical trophy room. Right. And they're like, no, you, you yeah. have to understand that these hunts that I did help with conservation. And you're like, what do you mean? And it's by them going on paid hunts, it actually puts money into a fund where they don't they don't just go out there and randomly shoot something. They actually go into an area that's a protected area and they actually will call the herd. And so they'll take the one that's the troublemaker or they take the, you know, the oldest whatever. And they'll, they'll clean the herd up and then they use the money that they charge to hunt that animal to actually preserve it. And, and, and help with local villages and everything. I mean, it's it's actually a really, when you listen to the story behind the story, it actually is kind of cool. And um, anyway. Weird, weird concept. That there's listen really different stories. I mean, yeah, so true though. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes it's their whole economy. Or a lot of it. Yeah. So. Uh, so we always talk about kind of like the, the prices that keep going up. There's nothing really affordable, especially for my generation. But I found some... Twin City Homes for $100,000 or less. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on these. If it's a good little investment, should I snag it? What is the, the situation? So, Well, these these are the homes Andy works with, so he can answer these questions. Yes. Hey, call me. I will help you. I'm not an arrogant ar- arrogant real estate agent. I'm a everybody's real estate agent. <laughs> Uh, you guys tell me which one you want to pick. Um, Those are all the red dots? Yeah, the red dots. Twin a, I mean, right now, to be honest with you, even though I grew up in Brooklyn Park and kind of North Minneapolis, um, I'm a little nervous with the unsettlement of what's happening in North. So if you look like right above on the map on the other side where it says North yeah. Minneapolis there, there's four or five of them that are in that range. Um, gen- generally, you know, um, it looks like a cute house there, but I, it's just it. you, you have to determine, you know, if that's – there's a lot of things happening in those neighborhoods. And if that's the kind of neighborhood that you can handle the, the activity levels of what's happening there, then good for you. Uh, most people don't know what they're getting into. They follow the price and then they go, wow, this is a faster moving neighborhood than I'm interested in. And so they may not be as interested in that. They may want to pay a little bit more, you know, and go to a different area or whatever. So <clears throat> photos are really good though. They took good photos. Yeah. Well, it's a cute house, which makes me wonder, you know, really, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised. I mean, it's small. Look at 416 square feet, one bedroom, one bath. It looks a heck of a lot bigger than that. Built in 1912, so I'm sure there's no basement. Um, but I think what's kind of interesting to me is there's there's that many homes under a hundred thousand. Yep, look at some more. Yeah, a lot of yeah. How about this one? This is East St. Paul. Oh, there you go. St. Paul, Two yeah. bedroom, one bath, eighteen hundred square feet. It's quite a bit. 
Looks like the owner oh. took those photos himself on a ladder. <laughs> I mean, look at those photos. I'm getting a headache looking at them. I know. So you basically are buying a lot in your your. Okay, your so there's a little headache. loft, a half story up top, but yeah, yeah. Hey, there's money to be made. I mean, there's um, I just sold one in St. Paul for 169 that needed a lot of help, and but it was a nice area and it was um, you know, at uh, multiple offers. There's demand in those areas. It really is a bedroom count for a lot of people, and I think that why you know some of these people might struggle to sell is because until they get to three, four bedrooms. Like some of these here, that's a good thing, right? Okay. So. <coughs> Any of these look like a good yeah. snack for you guys or no? Andy. Yeah. Tell me about that one. I mean, that looks pretty decent. $16.50 on Euclid 72. It's a foreclosure. So here's one that you can see kind of the, oh, boy, they're leaving stuff out again. That You'd get rid of that, but no. But, Andy, I was going to ask you about that one. I'd love to cut those pillars out of that house. Those are great. You see the pillars? Yeah. If you roll up a little bit, Nick, there. Look at those. Those are great. Oh, oh yeah, the entrance ones, yeah. Yeah. The um, I'm just curious. So when did when did you list that one for one sixty nine? Um, six five six months ago. So did you list it at one sixty nine? Yeah. And then you had multiple offers. Yep. How long did it take to get multiple offers? One and a half days. How many showings? Oh, 16. And then what did it end up going for over more this than, price? More than ask. I think 10000 over cash. So not crazy. Yeah. No. But that was the sign of the market. It was, just start, it was starting. You know, you yeah, had that to. Was, if you think about it, that was. Interest rates just started jumping. If you would That's have, why the guy did cash. Yeah, He's like, have, I don't want to pay those crazy interest rates. Yeah, and I'm like, well, they're not crazy. If you would have priced that at what that thing actually sold for, you probably would have ended up selling it for 160 instead. Yeah. You know, by by being smart about the list price, you were able let me, to get, Let me ask you one This is what I would say to anybody that listens to me talking. I'm like, when's the last time you were ever stimulated to buy something that was at retail or higher? Yeah. I mean, unless you absolutely needed it and you're broke down on the side of the road and you want to pay full retail for that can of gas. I mean, yes, you'd pay more than that for that at that time. But when when you look at like, Cyber Monday or Black Friday and some of these deals that were going out there. The only reason why we were buying some of that crap is because it was a good deal, right? I mean, and people, unfortunately, have been taught to buy on coupons. They've been taught to buy on timing. Um, we've trained the consumer to wait till, you know, that day because that day you're going to get the best deal on the whatever you want. And so people, have, they kind of, now that rolls over into real estate a little bit. And they're like, well, we won't give you any deals. I'm telling you. The strategy of pricing your house appropriately, just a titch under market value, will not only get your household sold faster, but it usually ends up where people come in with solid offers, less contingencies, and you end up in the end of the day, instead of sitting on the market for a month, you end up selling for more money with better terms for you as a seller. Right. It's true. Yeah. Try it. You'll like it. Yeah. Okay, my wife and I are selling a home. Our good friend is a real estate agent, and he offered to represent us in the sale for only 3%. Wow. We agreed after uh, he did some comps in the area and suggested an asking price. It hasn't been listed yet. Now, all of a sudden, his son is interested in buying, and we're thinking we need a third-party appraisal based on the apparent conflict of interest between him representing us as sellers and also his son as a buyer. He is insulted and says that... Uh, and says that, what does he say? He says AP. 
him he says representing him represent us as seller and also his son as a buyer. He's insulting says his appraisal is unnecessary since he already did it. I'm unsure. Is this normal, ethical, legal? I would I would say to the people that they thought it was fine, you know, they were gonna list it at that. I think you make a decision whether or not you want to sell it or not right now, or you want to go on the market and possibly lose them and, and go lower. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Since his kid um, is one of the buyers, I mean, maybe it, it works out for him, but typically, I mean, well, and ethically, we 100% have to tell people, hey, you're probably accepting lower than what you could get if you're representing that person. Here's what I would say to you. Trust your gut. If you, if you and this is, quote, a friend, and now you don't trust your friend, you shouldn't have hired that agent in the first place. Yeah, right. I, I'm being completely transparent on that. I mean, if you don't trust them that you think that they actually gave you the right numbers, the right appraised numbers, and then now they're coming in and they're trying to scoop up a good deal, and you should get an appraisal because you think you're leaving money on the table. Well, let me tell you a couple quick things. When you hire somebody, you get what you pay for. So you were already listing your house at 3%, which is basically the buyer payout. So he was doing it for nothing. Now, that, that shows you that he thinks he's worth nothing. So what is his time worth? If he has a buyer, regardless if it's his son or another person, and they can bring you in a buyer, and, and there's value there. I don't care who you are. There's value there. But number one. Number two, I think that there's a lack of trust because you just don't feel that the value is ever fairly established and that maybe they didn't put the time into it. And, and in the back of your head, you thought maybe he the whole time he was pricing this was thinking about his son. That's a conflict of interest. It really is. And, it, and it, it comes down to where then I would say, okay, um, do you want to order an appraisal? Um, but how do you order the appraisal? You know what I mean? So usually an appraiser wants to see some kind of a purchase agreement or they want to see some kind of a, you know, uh, a range of value of what you want to see. And I don't know. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. If you don't have a purchase agreement in, in line and you ask your appraiser to come over, you might find out it's, it's going to be a lot less than what uh, they're willing to pay you. Or tell what I'd also consider is if you if you trust the price but you don't trust this guy, why don't you make them put it on the market for two days? You review all the offers at two days. One of those offers could be his son's. Yep. Then that'll that'll take that you know shadow of a doubt out of your head because then you'll know for a fact you know like hey did was there really demand for the house at that price or not? Well, and that might change the son's opinion of that house too. All of a sudden, daddy's finding out that not one people are too excited about it, and then all of a sudden. You know, that kid's like, well, forget that. I don't really want to buy it for that. So you, you got to kind of watch out both ways. Greg. <laughs> well, Greg says, why do the new home developers leave the basement unfinished? Question mark. Chris says it's moolah. It's all about money and what they, yeah, at price point that they're going to be at. Yeah, it's 100%. That's the reason they, they do it. You know, then some will do it to try to get um, a lower per square foot price and how do it. But a lot of people too, I'll tell you what, I've sold a lot of houses after the fact, even five, seven, eight years down the line that have an unfinished basement. And it's, it's decent upstairs, but they could kind of put their own touches on it too in the lower level. And, and some people like that. Now, for the most part, everyone wants them finished, but other people like that idea of you know, competing against new construction that, well, you know, most of it's new, but I could make it brand new in the basement. It, it is a nice thing. Like, you know, I look at like my house here. I've lived here 18 years. We meticulously take care of everything. I mean, we, anything has a crack or a faded, it's replaced or fixed. 
but I'm unusual. I know that. I've been to a lot of houses that are built in the same era mine is. You walk into them and the all the light covers are now, you know, kind of that ugly faded color. And the trim's original. The Nothing's been tuned up. Nothing's been fixed. No lights have been updated. And, you know, it, it gets to the point of where, you know, it is a nice, like you said, ace in your back pocket to have that basement to finish at a later point because it gives you a chance to update the house to current style. And then the other stuff can be kind of forgiven if it's a little dated because it's, you know. Yep. But anyway. Okay. What else? We're almost, oh, we got another one. Whoa. Okay. Two years ago, my dad one day up and left. Oh, nice. Ever since then, my mom, brother, and I have been paying the utilities and mortgage. My dad's the only one on the mortgage. Things are getting a little hard to where we're running out of options and could very well end up homeless with our cat and two dogs. Has anyone been through something similar? Do we just be honest and tell the mortgage company what's been going on? Do we have to file a lawsuit? Could we buy it without him being present? No. I mean, if he's on the deed, depends who's on the deed. <laughs> you know, he more than likely, if he has the mortgage on it, he probably is on the deed as well, unless he um, pushed it over. But I think you're you're in uh, you're in a little doo doo there. I think that's 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 a problem. I try to find dad or. <laughs> create something where you could go through the courts and get it like, Hey, he abandoned this place and that we should get it because I mean, that's crazy. He up and left and no one's talked to him in two years. Seriously. What the hell's wrong with Chris, you, you? You don't serve cold Turkey. You just don't. Oh, good point. Yeah, I got mad. Let, the turkey's filthy cold left. <laughs> Done. We're out. Yep. So uh, this crazy. <laughs> That's Andy. I don't know if you need to do an analogy about cold turkey and your dad leaving for two years. Yeah, God. Andy, we need those on your reels. Some funny oh, stuff no, like no. that. They will go viral so fast. Oh, there's cold turkey. <laughs> That's why yeah. your dad left you. Um, so what did we learn today? We learned well, no, Andy's got to do flip flops and and yeah. uh, Andy's analogies. We, okay. we have learned that. We learned that there's actually some hundred thousand dollar homes out there. Better for yeah. sale that you could get. Sheesh. And we, uh, what else do we know? Rates went down. West End is good. Rates went West down. End a little. Is good. Yeah. Rates went down a little bit. And I Sales think are up. Sales are up. Sales are up. Sales are up. Wow. Jeez. Well, but they're all time low. I mean, they're they're pretty low. I Again, just kind of looking forward a little bit, forecasting, getting your house ready to sell. You still have equity. There's still lots of opportunities out there. The problem you're going to face is, is the buy like when you're when you're looking for something to purchase that's the challenge we're facing right now with our buyers and sellers um selling it's not the problem it's it's the buying side yeah right exactly so i, I usually position a lot of people now to where we we do the buy first um or we we structure it so that we can purchase something and i'm seeing a ton of people buying contingent now and they're okay the, the sellers are okay with that too Beautiful. Awesome. Hey, make sure to give us a review on the iTunes, the Spotify, like the Facebook post three a week and on YouTube, they're posted. Send us in any questions you have and we'll see you next week. Warm turkey. Warm turkey. <laughs> 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.